you know, we're well known for our conference, but I really want people to know that we have a lot of other programs and member resources as well. We're not just a conference. Um, you know, safety is our members' number one priority, and we have a number of safety resources for our members and the industry. Uh, our, our, excuse me, our safety committee spearheads a lot of these programs and resources like toolbox talks, FRA part 243 minimum training standard templates, and a full library of soon to be 30 uh, NRC safety videos. You may know the American Railway Engineering and Maintenance of Way Association, or ARIMA, as the, quote, keepers of the manuals. You may know them as the, quote, people behind the largest annual railroad conference in North America. Heck, you may not know about ARIMA at all. This podcast is designed, no pun intended, to change your view of who ARIMA is and how ARIMA has changed the trajectory of many railway careers over its 100-plus year history. Welcome to Platform Chats with your host, Walt Blesser, where he takes a moment to discuss the impacts ARIMA has had on the very people who are proud to be called members. Are you ready to roll with ARIMA? ARE Corporation is a proud supporter of ARIMA and Platform Chats. If you are looking to take your railway structures career to the next level, or simply start it down the right track, please visit us at arecorp.com. Please see our brand new job postings on our careers page or on our LinkedIn page. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Platform Chats. I'm your host, Walt Blesser, and this is the last one for what has been an extremely tumultuous year for yours truly. Uh, Hoping very much to get back to a regular cadence on this show in 2024. I know it's always our goal to put out between 10 and 12 episodes a year. And this year, I think we only got out six to eight, something like that. And so I apologize. If you are a regular listener, you know, it's been a wild year for me. And I apologize again for the intrusions of my personal life, pushing hard into my podcast host life, which believe it or not, is not my only job. I actually do other things. And so I'm trying to mix it all and balance it all. But hey, Enough excuses. The excuse train has come and it's officially left the station. So we're going to put that behind us. We're going to close the year out with a bang. We're going to start 2024. I've got a great set of uh, content coming your way. We're going to be talking about the upcoming symposium uh, that's in February. We're going to talk a little bit about the big structures, all structures, functional group meeting. That's going to be tagging onto the symposium in February, which will be a first of its kind. I'm very excited about that, given that I guess, well, I guess I'm running it at this point, so I've got to be excited about it. Uh, And then we've got a bunch of other ideas, too. We're going to have guests next year, including um, Human Resources from CSX has agreed to join us and talk about what they look for in in, in railroad employees. Uh, We've even got a recruiter that said they would join us and talk about that, too, because I'm starting to feel... I'm starting to feel a shift in the market. Uh, I feel like the markets are, at least today, they're they're happy. Um, feels like inflation might be cooling off. It just feels kind of like maybe 24 will be a, a transitional year and maybe just all the stuff that in 23 will be behind us. So long intro to not only get you excited about next year, but also to get you excited about what we're talking about today. And that is the NRC. Uh, that's an acronym that I will not define until my guest defines it for me. But I have the president of the NRC, and this is part of our series of talking to 
basically other associations that are Arima's friends, if you will. And so we go to their uh, their conference and they come to our conference and we have a lot of members that cross pollinate. And so it's just very advantageous for us to be friends with the American Shortline Association with Chuck, as you guys heard earlier this year. Uh, and we also talked to the art with RTA with Nate. Uh, that was a fun podcast. And today uh, we're going to have Ashley Wheeland, who is the president of the NRC, uh, joining us today. And she's going to talk to us a little bit, not only about how in the world did she become the president of this organization, but also how and what role they play in the industry. So welcome to the show, Ashley, and just kick it off and tell us a little bit about yourself. You can, how you started off in your career. Um, Hey, even some personal facts are fun. Sounds like you got some kids, whatever you want to talk about. Thanks, Walt. And thank you to Arima for having me on this podcast. Um, I'm Ashley Wheeland, president of the National Railroad Construction and Maintenance Association, better known as the NRC. Uh, We are the trade association representing contractors and suppliers in the rail construction and maintenance space. Uh, We've got about 300 member companies that range from contractors, suppliers, engineering firms, uh, attorneys, recruiting firms, Um, you know, and they range in size from small family owned businesses who do work regionally to some of the largest companies in this industry that do this kind of work. Um, The work includes track construction and maintenance, bridge construction and repair, rail yard work, signal and communications installation, uh, you know, things of that nature on the maintenance away side. Um, Were you going to say something? Yeah, you know what, you did, you just mentioned something there that um, the the difference between you guys and Arima, just right out of the gates, you represent the companies, correct? As well. You know what I mean? Versus like Arima, we're mostly a professional right. association. I think sometimes that gets uh, foggy for some people. Right. There's there's a lot of uh, rail groups in, in the Washington, D.C. area and in, and in the United States. I mean, um, all of us play a slightly different role. Some of us do have membership overlap. But yes, Arima is more of a professional organization for the railroads, um, even though I know some of my members are members of Arima as well and participate on committees. But our members are companies. So anyone who is an employee of an NRC member company is in turn a member of the NRC. So yes, we represent the member companies. Okay. That is similar to the short line association and, and actually our, well, I don't, I don't think RTA is like that, but that's very similar to, to what Chuck was doing as well. Mm-hmm. And so, and you guys, how, how big is the NRC? Uh, we've got about 300 member companies. And as far as staff goes, it's myself, uh, my colleague, Mike McGonigal, who's our VP of operations and government affairs, our VP of finance, Nicole Womack, and we just hired a operations and meeting manager, Marion Barreto. Perfect. And you guys are responsible for what I consider one of the more fun conferences to kick off the year. Is that right? You guys usually pick a pretty nice warm location in January. That's right. The NRC conference alternates between South Florida and Southern California every January. Uh, This next month, Yep, it's going to be a month from now. We're going to be in Scottsdale, Arizona at the Fairmont Princess. Uh, It'll be January 3rd through the 6th. And, um, you know, registration's really strong. We're sold out in the exhibit hall. We're going to have over 130 exhibiting member companies, which we're really excited about. 
we partner our trade show with Remsa, um, and you know that's been successful. So I want to give a shout out to Remsa and thank them for their partnership on uh, on the exhibit hall. Um, you know, where I think one of the highlights of the conference is not only the location, but just the networking opportunities and the camaraderie. And it kind of kicks off the, the year and gets everyone excited for, you know, what various railroad customers have in their upcoming CapEx and what the transit agencies and passenger rail are doing as well. So uh, I feel like it, it really helps set the tone for the year. And, and we're really proud of that. I agree completely. It's uh, something I have looked forward to in the past. It's been a minute since I've been to your conference. I apologize uh, for that. It's usually right after New Year's uh, and it's that first week. I think the last one I went to was maybe in Palm Desert. So that that would have been 2014. That that was that's oh, that was 10 years. Exposed on the pod <laughs> on the podcast. Man, I do apologize. Yeah, I know Arima actually had some of the NRC members, um, you guys were nice enough to loan us some space for a committee meeting. So we we were able to meet as a committee uh, at NRC. So it was like a double whammy. It was really kind of a nice thing to do. Well, uh, we would welcome that for your committee to come back and meet or any ARIMA committee to come meet at the NRC conference. Ooh, um, that's a great yeah. plug because... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we're always looking, I'm telling you, we're, our, our committees are always looking for space. And uh, as we grow, as you know, uh, space is not cheap. So we do know that <laughs> as, as conference, uh, conference planners there, um, you know, and we're also going to have the incoming ARIMA president Ray with Amtrak is going to be giving an ARIMA update that Friday morning at the conference. And so um, I think some members will be eager to hear that and what he has planned for his presidency uh over arima for that year oh very cool so that would be so the third just so i, I want to stay on this because it's fresh in people's minds if they're thinking about uh registering is there still time yes there's still time to register uh our golf event is sold out and our trap shooting event is sold out the hotel also sold out but we are maintaining a wait list in case there are cancellations in our room block so certainly reach out to um, NRC staff to get on that wait list. But there's a ton of hotels in the area that folks could stay at as overflow. But yes, registration is still open. Um, you know, we'll kick off on the 3rd at 4.30 p.m. with a welcome reception in the exhibit hall. And then general session will run Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And we'll conclude with the finale reception Saturday evening. So plan to check out Sunday morning. See, this is an interesting, uh, the timing of this, this podcast is great too, because we're, we're coming off of a, of a really big railway interchange, which I know you attended, uh, and just the format of that and the format of the ARIMA co conference, right, is, uh, it's currently under discussion about potential changes. And, you know, we've been doing the same thing for a long time, uh, and we pack a lot of technical sessions into our Tuesdays. I mean, it's like 8 a.m. to 5 of just back to back to back to back technical sessions. And um, there's been some comments of, hey, maybe is there a way to stretch this out? Is there a way to move things around? You guys, if I remember right, you do you do sessions in the morning and then aren't aren't the afternoons oftentimes left a little bit more open for networking? Maybe you could talk a little bit about that, because I, I feel like that's a, a totally more progressive way. Uh, progressive might not be the right word. It's different than than what Arima does. It 
That's true, Walt. Um, you know, we kick off our general session pretty early in the morning. I've heard some members say it's a little too early, but I say, you guys are in the railroad industry. You all are used to these early mornings, so I don't want to hear it just because you're in Scottsdale. <laughs> um, but yeah, technically, Traditionally, we have had the sessions be fairly early in the morning and run until about noon, and then that gives you some free time in the afternoons to catch up with customers or connect with vendors, um, catch up on emails. We all know we go to these conferences that are three, four days long and come back to an infinite uh, number of messages in your inbox. Um But I would also say that, you know, that Thursday of the conference, we do have some breakout sessions. Um, so if your afternoon's looking a little light, you can come by the breakout sessions. We'll have um, our friends from the FRA giving an update on CFR Part 243 minimum training standards. Uh, and then some folks from the League of Railway Women will be presenting a couple topics as well. And our popular speed networking event with a couple of our railroad guests will also be taking place. So um, there's certainly some stuff to do in the afternoon on Thursday. And then in the afternoons on Friday... Uh, we're sold out on two golf courses at the TPC Scottsdale at the Champion and Stadium courses, which is going to be great. And for those who aren't golfing, they're going to the trap shooting, which will also be some good time to network and catch up with some friends. Man, that actually sounds quite fun. Uh, not a golfer. Uh, I do know my way around 12 gauge and I would love to uh, participate in something like that. I had no idea. And I think that's just a neat way of... Uh, yeah, getting into small groups and, and chatting with with potential customers and uh, and different industry folks, and uh, while still maintaining a presence at the conference, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. I, is the trap shooting new? It, yes, we have not done ah. a trap shooting event before. That will be new. Cool. Yeah, because I know historically there's been a lot of golf events. Uh, I think Palm Desert for sure, and then uh, especially in Florida as well, right? Right. Yeah, the golf is a mainstay that we do every year in Florida. We've done. Um, fishing and Everglades. And then on the West coast, we've done uh, whale watching, hiking excursions. Last time we were in the Phoenix area. Uh, so it just, it just kind of depends on, on the interest and you know, what, what's available and the location we, we go to. Cool. Uh, I did a horrible job of glazing right over uh, an introduction of who you are, even though I know prior to recording, we discussed a what I would call a loose outline. I do apologize. I am relatively uh, shoot from the hip kind of guy. The uh, question I did want to ask here before we get too far down the road, we did cover the conference, but uh, I want to talk a little bit about you. And um, you're from California originally. I know you're sitting in the DC area now. Um, how in the world did you get to this seat? Right. Uh, so yeah, I grew up in Southern California. Uh, Riverside area, for those who are familiar with SoCal. Uh, Went to school at the University of California, Riverside, studied political science. Uh, During my time there, I did a semester in Washington, D.C. I did an internship on Capitol Hill for my uh, home member of Congress uh, in his D.C. office, um, which was great and really kind of gave me a taste for D.C. and I really liked it. Um, You know, when I came back to California, I had the itch to get back to D.C., Uh, you know, when I graduated school, it wasn't a great time for the job market. Uh, it was Oh nine. So, you know, Mm. a lot was going on. Not a lot of people were hiring and, uh, I was working as a paralegal right out of college for a production company in Santa Monica and just decided I didn't like my job. And, uh, so I just put in my notice and I bought a one-way ticket to DC 
uh, I had a friend that was there and I was um, able to split an apartment with them. And, uh, you know, prior to moving, I had been putting the feelers out for jobs on the Hill and jobs at think tanks and trade associations, policy focused, legislative, legislatively focused jobs. I was really into kind of that scene. Um, and, you know, when I would interview, uh, they say, hey, you're in California. How serious are you about coming out to D.C.? And so that's when I kind of knew that, like, I had to take that leap. Um, so I got to DC, lined up a bunch of in-person interviews and like within two weeks, I landed a job at the design build Institute of America, DBIA in their legislative affairs department. Um, I, I really got a taste for kind of transportation industry, uh, construction infrastructure, um, while I was there. And after about a year there, I felt like I had enough experience under my belt to springboard to another association. And that's when I landed at the NRC in 2012. Oh, wow. So you've been at the NRC for, for a minute. Yes. Um, I would say a little longer than a minute. Uh, I did take some time. I did leave the NRC for a couple of years and I worked at the American Traffic Safety Services Association as their director of state government relations and um, really enjoyed being there as well. Again, transportation infrastructure focused, um, really kind of grew to be my passion. And uh, after a couple of years there, uh, I had an opportunity to come back to the NRC and um, was really excited about it just because I really like the rail industry in this way that, you know, I mentioned transportation infrastructure being a, a passion that I grew to love. It's not, you know, people say, how'd you get into the transportation industry? And I say, you know, I didn't choose the transportation industry. It chose me. And, um, you know, I find the railroad issues very dynamic and interesting. Um, and so I really was excited to come back to the NRC and I had missed a lot of the members and a lot of the friends that I had made during my first stint there. So it was great to get back. And that I was in 2019. And that was in 2019. Okay, cool. Just in time to uh, work on large conferences that are about to get canceled. <laughs> yeah, you know, I guess if we wanted to, to approach that in 2020, <laughs> we had our, our conference in January when the world was normal. And it was so funny when, well, maybe not funny, but, you know, when the, the world started shutting down, I thought, oh, thank goodness we had a conference and my conference isn't two weeks from now, you know, it was the two weeks to slow the spread and Oh, yeah. um, but you know that with the direction of the NRC board, we really navigated that well. We um, went kind of online like a lot of the other uh, groups did and brought a lot of high level, um, you know, webinars, some some good content for folks to stay connected, even though we couldn't physically be together. So, yeah, did you did you transition to 100 percent? Uh, I guess you must have, obviously, to webinars and seminars. When did you first come back in person? What year was that? January of 22, which was also very interesting. Okay. Uh, we had Omicron surging, uh, so had a lot of last-minute cancellations uh, from yeah. a number of folks. But um, we held a very safe meeting, um, a very fruitful meeting. I had a lot of members approach me and say, thank you so much for doing this. Um, you know, we've really been itching to get back. We're ready. We can do it safely, knowing what we know now about um, the virus that was going around at the time. Um, so we were really happy to do it. And so then 23, uh, where were you last year? Or this year, I guess. Yeah, it was this year. We were at the Boca Raton. Okay. And was it full force? Yes. 
Yes. Okay. Record number of attendees. Um, you know, overall great program, and I think has really set us up nicely to uh, go into twenty twenty four. Okay. Yeah. So twenty. And it sounds like based on what you said uh, just a few minutes ago that twenty twenty four is looking like it's already sold out. Most of your events are sold out. So you must be very excited about the traction you're getting. Where Where are you guys going? Uh, in 25, not to look past Scottsdale, but are, I assume you're going back to the East Coast? That's correct. We'll be at Marco Island at the JW there. Oh, so you guys really do bounce around. Um, yes, west to east, but you don't just go to the same location over and over and over, sounds like. Uh, not always, although I will say with the rate at which we are growing, the number of venues that can hold us is the list is getting a lot smaller unless cool. we want to go to a convention center kind of setup, which I've heard from attendees and um, folks that, you know, we don't really want to go to the, the big convention center. We prefer to be a little more intimate in one of these bigger hotels where we own the space and own all the rooms. And um, it just makes it easier for organic interaction and networking when you're all staying at the same hotel and running into people. That yeah, way. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's uh, definitely pros and cons to that. I, I could not agree more. I mean, when, as Arima kept growing, I I've told my wife before that when you attend Arima, as soon as you walk in the lobby, it's on. I mean, every every elevator ride, every hallway walk, <laughs> every time you're in the fitness center, it doesn't matter. You're probably going to run into somebody, so you you just kind of feel like you're on uh, nonstop unless you're asleep uh, and yeah. in those intimate settings. Um. One last thing, or one thing I wanted to bring up, we've talked a lot about the conference, which is great because it is definitely what is coming up on on deck here, and we're really excited about it. But, um, you know, we're well known for our conference, but I really want people to know that we have a lot of other programs and member resources as well. We're not just a conference. Um, You know, safety is our members' number one priority, and we have a number of safety resources for our members and the industry. Uh, our, our, excuse me, our safety committee spearheads a lot of these programs and resources like Toolbox Talks, FRA Part 243 Minimum Training Standard Templates, and a full library of soon-to-be 30 uh, NRC safety videos. Wow, so, that's yeah. that's a lot. So I, you, you beat me to it. I mean, I was, I was heading that way. I did want to, to hammer out your conference details, but um, the, the, the role NRC, so ARIMA, Right. This is the Arima podcast. But, um, you know, obviously our focus is maintaining and updating the manual and, and technical specifications for all aspects of the maintenance of way of the railway system. Your role with I just heard safety. Are there other key roles or if there's a listener right now, that's like, hey, that sounds really interesting. How do I get involved? You know that I feel like that's another thing maybe you could speak to. Sure. I would say for NRC members, the best way to get involved is to get involved in a committee right? Like ARIMA has a number of committees um, and that's really the best way to stay involved and have your voice heard. Um, You know, we have a membership committee, we have a scholarship committee. uh, I mentioned our safety committee. Um, We have an auction committee every spring. The NRC hosts an equipment auction um, and the proceeds from that auction help to benefit some of the safety programs that I just mentioned earlier, including the production of our safety videos. And so this year we put out a video um, focused on mental wellness 
and it addresses mental health and fitness of duty for contractor employees, meaning not only are they physically fit to perform the work, but it also takes into consideration an employee's mental fitness and their overall health and how managers can intervene if they suspect that an employee might be struggling with depression or substance abuse. And this video is really a departure from some of the other ones. Some of the other videos are like safety around track equipment or safety on a tie gang, how to build a turnout, you know, other special track work like that. Um, so, you know, our safety committee worked really hard on this video and, um, we're really proud of it. And we think it's very timely for a lot of what's going on right now in the workforce. Um, we hope it'll be a good resource for members and. Wow. Yeah. I had that. That's, that's fascinating. It is, uh, uh, absolutely. It's absolutely timely. And, uh, I had no idea that was produced. So. How does it, how does someone get to watch or have access to said video? If you log into your members only portal on the NRC website, all the videos are listed there, the library, or you could reach out to any of us on NRC staff and we will send you a flash drive with the videos. Oh, cool. Okay. Now, uh, I do notice a theme, uh, with the, a lot of the trade organization and trade association leadership tends to come from those that are politically active, including yourself, uh, or those that had an interest in politics at a young age, uh, and moved to DC and have worked, have experience on the Hill. Um, the NRC, I know some, there was at one point an organization, there was a firm, a, a lobbying firm that housed some of the trade organizations in DC. Are, is this separate? Is it on its own or are you, are you part of a, a different organization? So the NRC is managed by an association management firm called TGA AMS LLC. Um, my colleague Matt Ginsburg heads up that firm and he also heads up our lobbying efforts in Washington, D.C. This year, the NRC hosted its first ever rail contractor focused fly-in, um, which was really exciting for us. There. You know, this year has been really interesting for the rail industry on Capitol Hill in light of East Palestine. We've really been under a microscope and um, not only on Capitol Hill, but just nationally, right, on the national stage. Um, And it wasn't always positive attention, right? So, um, you know, in the wake of that, I think that caused Railroad Down the Hill to be canceled for the year. And it really gave us an opportunity for our policy and legislative committee to host their own rail contractor focused fly-in, which we were really proud of. Cool. And Railroad Day on the Hill, uh, who, who is behind that? Is it, is it all the organizations come together? Cause I, I've actually attended the lion that. chair. Yeah. It's the lion okay. chair. Uh, you know, you've got AAR, the short line association, um, RTA, REMSA, NRC. Um, we really do try to make it an entire industry effort, folks from labor as well, register and participate traditionally. Um, Not sure what the future of Railroad Day looks like. I think that's a next year question. Um, But, you know, I think having our voice heard on Capitol Hill is really important. They say if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. So, um, you know, it's important that these folks who are going to be looking at legislation that are going to impact our industry, that they hear our side of the story and understand our industry. Well, another reason I enjoy doing this podcast is uh, I've not heard that, that if uh, you're not at the table, you're on the menu. So thank you for that. I did not, but that's an interesting way of, 
of looking at it. And so as a member of NRC, and obviously you have legislative chops yourself, so that's a, probably a big part of what NRC does, correct, is to lobby on behalf of member organizations, or am I in left field here? No, no, that's spot on. I mean, we really want to be a resource for legislators and folks at the FRA. We work very closely with them and have good relationships with members of Congress on committees of jurisdiction that pertain to our industry. Um, you know, it's important that we stay in touch with them and maintain these relationships. And with the turnover in Congress, you know, it's a never-ending job, a revolving door of getting to know people. Um, you know, when committee membership gets mixed up and changes, um, you know, we got to make sure we're we're meeting with the right folks and that they're hearing our side of, of our industry and what we do for the economy. Um, it's really important. Very cool. Okay. And so the, this, uh, the event that you guys planned, when did that take place? It was last the fly April. In last mm-hmm. April. Cause the day on the Hill is usually what April, May. Uh... Springtime's a really popular time for groups to come in and, okay. and meet. Okay, cool. So are you going to do it again? Or is that to be determined? Uh, it's, I think it's highly likely. I think there's a lot of interest from the policy and legislative committee and our board to, to make this an annual event. Okay, excellent. Cool. Well, it sounds like you're seeing, you seem like you have a positive outlook uh, on the future. You seem like you have a positive outlook on on the industry. And uh, is that true? <laughs> I'm just, this is me listening to what you're saying and hearing you talk about the numbers and how NRC's grown and the conference is outgrowing its hotels. And um, it's just, it's such a great story that you're telling. And what do you think the next few years has in store for our industry? You know, I say the rail contracting industry is coming off some very strong years. Um, You know, really good years, even in light of a global pandemic and an impending recession. Um, You know, I think the outlook is really positive. Um, class one capital expenditures have remained consistently strong over the past few years. Um, you know, there's been some announcements from some of the class ones, um, about layoffs. And so I think that is still to be seen how that'll impact our industry, whether, you know, it'll, it'll put more pressure on contractors or, you know, whether there'll be more opportunities. Yeah. It does seem that like through COVID, uh, it, it just seemed like the railroads, this is my opinion. Uh, this is not the be, this is no longer the opinion of Arima, but my, it just seemed to me like living it. The railroads have always been really good at saying or taking advantage of bad times, so to speak from a capital expenditure contractor perspective. It seems like if car counts start to go down on a certain main line, to them, it's like, okay, well, we can get more work windows. Um, during COVID, if, if there's an opportunity that, that, that there's more, anytime it seems like there's less traffic, which is not a great thing for the railroads, it also seems like there's enough backlog of things that need to get done that they take advantage of that op- and, and use it as an opportunity to get out and fix stuff. Because it seems like some ma- amazing projects uh, have been presented and or completed uh, in the last two to three years. So, and it sounds like yeah, you agree. That, yeah, that that's spot on. And, you know, the rail grant programs that received record funding from the IIJA are starting to trickle down to rail contractors and suppliers. Um, and they'll continue to do that over the next couple of years. Sometimes, you know, government takes a while to get that stuff out. Um, but, you know, we, we had 
record Amtrak funding, Chrissy grants, railroad crossing elimination grants, federal state partnership grants, and FTA new starts, which all continue to provide a really steady stream of opportunities for railroad contractors. I was just going to say, Chrissy, uh, I, I don't, uh, okay, so that affects, my company has quite a bit of work uh, with short line railroads and the funding that we saw this fall, the September seemed tremendous. I don't know, I don't want to put you on a spot here, but I assume some of those funding is record level funding. Yes. Right. And, you know, with Chrissy in particular, that benefits the short lines, a lot of short lines run pretty lean and mean. And so they don't have an in-house workforce. And so they contract a lot of that stuff out to my members. That's kind of, yeah, what I figured. So you guys are forecasting a, a pretty strong 2425 is what I'm hearing here based on just what you are seeing. And a lot of the funding that was released this fall, I know specifically for us, the Chrissy's, I remember, I want to say we put together proposals for Chrissy's in the spring of last year, if not fall of last year, and they just got announced in September. Don't hold me to that, but that sounds right. Mm -hmm. Meaning that uh, shovels go in dirt in 24, right? So that's the contractor side, which is you guys. That's right. Cool. Well, that's awesome. It seems like it's a great, I don't know. It seems like it's a great industry to be a part of, uh, you know, depending on which cocktail party you go to, some people are more doom and gloom about the economy than, than, uh, others, but it just seems like our specific niche, uh, economy we're speaking about with the rail industry is, is a good place to be. Um, do you have little children? I do. I have a a five-year-old who just started kindergarten this fall and I have a two-year-old. Who keeps cool. us on our toes? <laughs> uh, yes, that definitely would keep you on your toes. I'm I'm right there with you. I'm four and two. So where I'm going with that is, um, do you have enough confidence in this industry that you think, hey, ten so years down the road that you would tell your kids to pursue a, a, a potential profession in some aspect of the real industry? I mean, are you that excited about it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's very rewarding careers in the rail industry. It's a, like I mentioned earlier, it's it's an exciting industry. It's dynamic. You know, the, the, there's certainly issues that come up, but they're, they're always interesting on the problem solving side. And, um, you know, you can have a very rewarding career in the rail industry. Um, you know, I, we talk about workforce development a lot, and especially how since the pandemic, it's been really hard to get skilled labor. Um, you know, folks to come to work. And I think that as an industry, we're starting to do a better job at tooting our own horn and talking about how blessed we are to be in this industry and how exciting it is and how it's a rewarding career. It's the industry that moves industry. Um, you know, people think their Amazon packages show up via drone, but it's like, no, it had to probably start on a railroad <laughs> before it got to your front door. Uh, so it's essential. It's vital. It's recession proof. It's pandemic proof, dare I say. Um, so it's, yes, absolutely. I don't know how I'm going to follow that up. So other, <laughs> uh, other than I wish at some point during that last uh, little stick, I had a uh, railroad horn sound I could have made. When you <laughs> when you yeah. said toot our own horn, I would have absolutely hit that. Blow the whistle. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think I that's would... my, my iPhone uh, ring. There you go. Well, yep, absolutely. Well, that's honestly, that's a great place to stop. So as I do with most of my guests, I will give you, if there's anything else you wanted to get out there, feel free. And if there's not, that's fine too. 
Uh, yeah, I think we covered it. I mean, we we could ha- I could have a conversation for, you know, I could talk about this forever, but, you know, I know we've got places to be and things to do and a conference to plan. So uh, we'll get back to it. But I'm really excited to see everyone in January. And, you know, I'm really proud to be a part of this industry to, to represent this organization. And I'm really proud of my members. And it's truly a blessing and an honor to to represent them here in D.C. So look forward to seeing everyone in January. Perfect. Thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. And I know many of our members will see you down uh, in Arizona, uh, January 3rd to the 6th. And honestly, I'm going to see what I can do to maybe pop in and say hello. Excellent. Have a safe day, everyone. Thank you for rolling with Arima on today's episode of Platform Chats. For further information about Arima, please visit arema.org or contact us at info at arema.org.